Well, what's better? When your bank balance goes up or when your bank balance goes down? It's a bit of a no-brainer, really, isn't it? Bigger is always better. Uh, a pay rise is a great thing. Uh, you want good returns on your investments. Easing your financial burdens, that's just a given. Of course, that's what we want. Your bank balance going up is always better. Well, that's what our world says. So, of course, it comes as no surprise to us that when we read the word of God, we hear something different, something much more fulfilling, something much more purposeful. The liberating news of our Bible verses this morning is that we rejoice when our bank balance goes down, when they go down because we're giving to the gospel. Today is all about the joy and privilege of giving money away for the sake of the gospel. And God wants us to know that he notices our money movement. He notices where our money goes and where it stays. And it gives him great pleasure when we give money away for the sake of his gospel. Now, before we look at Philippians 4, let me repeat the same qualification I made last week. Uh, I'm not preaching on giving money away for the gospel because we're all of a sudden short here at DPC. Uh, If you've been following our management matters over the year, you'll know that actually we're well above budget. So I'm not preaching on giving because of some urgent need. It's just working our way through the letter of Philippians and giving money away for the gospel is where Paul takes us as he closes his letter. So let's take a look. We'll pick it up in chapter ten. Uh, sorry, chapter four, verse ten, and the Philippians giving of their money away for the gospel with Paul. So, verse ten. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So the Philippians have renewed their concern for Paul and we discover from verse 14 they did this by giving him money. So skip over to verse 14. Uh, It actually picks up seamlessly from verse 10. Verses 11 to 13 are a bit of an aside. So in verse 10, Paul rejoices that they've renewed their concern. Then verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. The Philippians have been regular financial supporters of Paul. Recently, they sent him even more money, and this has made Paul very happy. Back in verse 10, he rejoices. Now why? Why does he rejoice? Is it simply that the Philippians have got him out of a spot? You know, he was in need and they bailed him out. Or is there something else going on? Well, to see how this works, Paul first tells us what their giving means to him. Then he says what the Philippians' giving says about them before closing with what God thinks about their giving. And by the end, we'll see why your bank balance going down for the gospel is such good news. So first, Paul wants to clarify what the Philippians' giving means to him. Because he was in need, the Philippians gave him money, but Paul wants to remind them and us that all anyone ever really needs 
is Jesus. So let's see what the Philippians giving means to Paul and for him personally we discover that it doesn't mean that much at all. In fact Paul goes out of his way to tell the Philippians that he doesn't need their money because even if he had no money he'd still be content. So look at it there in verse 10 again. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Content whatever the circumstances. Whether he's got a million bucks or one dollar, he's content. That's a pretty remarkable thing to say, isn't it? Because I'm sure we all feel the pull of discontentment. Now, you might not be discontent because you don't own a blue whale... But that's just because you don't think owning a blue whale is all that worthwhile, has no value to you, so you're not discontent about that. But what about a new barbecue or a new car or a new sound system or a better body or the latest game or phone or the level of your bank balance or the size of your mortgage? If you were asked, what are you discontent? discontent with in your life what comes into your head if the first thing that doesn't come into your mind isn't the quality of your relationship with Jesus then maybe you're overvaluing those other things Paul says he's learned the secret of being content whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want how can you do this it's because he values Christ it's because he knows the Lord Jesus verse 13 I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Contentment comes through Christ. You can be content whether living in plenty or in want when you know Jesus. Now you're appreciating just what a major adjustment this is to our value system. This is an upheaval of what we value in life. This runs right against everything our culture says about contentment. Because our culture is always selling us the idea that you need more. You couldn't possibly be content with what you have because you could have this and this and this. Our culture breathes discontentment, but that's because our culture doesn't know Jesus. So they don't know the hope of the resurrection from the dead. They're not eagerly awaiting a saviour from heaven. They don't know the peace of God or the righteousness of God. They don't know that knowing Christ is far greater than anything else. They don't know that everything else is like rubbish compared to Jesus. And so their value system is upside down to ours. As we worked our way through chapters 3 and 4 of the last few weeks, God's been convincing us that what we value far above everything else is Jesus. In fact, when we know Christ, we now want for nothing else, content whatever our circumstances. And the reason Paul puts all of this here in chapter 4, in the middle of talking about the Philippians and their giving of money to Paul when he's in need, is because he wants to remind them 
that Christ is all anyone really needs. He's simply teaching them and us in yet another way, Christ is all we need. And it's something that the Philippians have taken hold of. You can tell. Because they're giving their money away for Christ's gospel. And it says so much about them. It says that they value Christ. And that's why Paul's so excited about them giving their money to him. Look at it there from verse 16. Verse 16. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Paul's gushing here about the Philippians' support of him. You know, I've, I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied. You guys have been so generous. But he's not excited because they've made his bank balance go up. As he says, I'm not looking for a gift. He's not looking for money in his account. Paul's excited because they're giving their money away for the gospel shows that they value the gospel. Their earthly bank balances might have gone down, but their account in the things of Christ is skyrocketing. As Paul says in verse 17, he's looking for what may be credited to their account. Them giving their money away for the gospel shows they value Christ. They're storing up treasures in heaven. They're living for Christ, not for this world. And that's good news. And that's how we want to live, isn't it? Because when we get to the new creation, what good will our Aussie dollars be then? Flashing around Australian $100 bills on the day of Christ? How pointless would that be? And so as we press on, straining toward that last day, we're sitting loosely to our money. We no longer value the wealth of this world. We value the wealth of the gospel of Christ. We've changed currency. When our family went to Africa last year to visit some missionary friends, one thing we needed to do was sort out our money because our Aussie dollars were going to be useless over there. There was one time we were in Zambia and we had our Zambian dollars in our wallets and we're wandering around some local markets and the market vendors love to haggle. It's a lot of fun. Uh, They give you one price, you give them another, and somehow you meet in the middle, possibly. Uh, Anyway, there were some lovely things that we could buy, but I wasn't going to give in to anything I didn't want to do. I was a bit of a hard nut. And so one of the men tried a different tack. He pulled out an Australian $2 coin. He'd got it from an Aussie tourist sometime before, and he was wanting me to buy it off him with some of my Zambian dollars, which kind of made sense. Because, you know, how is an Aussie $2 coin of any use to him? Problem was, I was in Zambia. So what use was an Aussie $2 coin to me? I was in a different country. I'd changed money. I now traded in a different currency. Brothers and sisters, we belong to a different country now. As we saw in chapter 3, we're citizens of heaven. So we've changed currency We no longer value the wealth of this world. We value the wealth of the gospel of Christ. We've changed currency. 
And so the best thing we can do with our earthly money right now is to give it away for the gospel. And when we do, God loves it. That's what he thinks about his people giving their money away for his gospel. He loves it. Look at it there. The gifts the Philippians sent Paul, end of verse 18, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Like a beautiful bouquet of flowers sent to heaven's door. The Philippians' gifts to Paul are a fragrant offering, pleasing to God. God is delighted in them for their giving towards his gospel. And that's what matters. God's seal of approval. This is the bottom line of why Paul's so excited about the Philippians giving him their money. Because God loves what they're doing. They're using their wallets for the sake of Christ. And God loves it. And God's delight in them will overflow on the day of Christ. God's deep pleasure at his people giving their money for the sake of his son on the day of Christ, God will give to them of his riches. On the day of Christ, God will empty his wallet. The Philippians' gifts bring great pleasure to God. And verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. On the day of Christ, God's delight in his people will burst forth. It's an extraordinary prospect, isn't it? God giving to his people according to his riches in Christ Jesus. It's a little bit like Bill Gates saying that he will buy you a Christmas present according to his bank balance. Let's just say you're not going to get a pack of undies. On the day of Christ... According to God's riches in Christ, he will meet all our needs. And what does that mean? What will it look like? Well, it's the kinds of things that Paul has already said in the letter about what will happen when Christ returns. Out of God's riches in Christ will be presented wholly in God's sight. We'll be pure and blameless on that day. Nowhere will our sin be seen. We'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness. We'll be living testimonies to the greatness of God. We'll be resurrected, plucked from the grave. Death will be scorned as we're given new bodies. We'll be made just like Jesus for an eternal life. All of this and more, I'm sure, is what God will pour out on us according to his riches in Christ. This is how the delight of God will overflow to his people on that last great day. And it'll all be for God's glory. Look at verse 20. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. On the last day, as we're showered in the riches of God in Christ, it'll be God that receives all the glory. God's abundance to us will point to his goodness and his greatness. It'll be our gifts, but God's glory. During the week, I was in a waiting room. And on the telly was the Ellen DeGeneres show, uh, you know, where Ellen interviews people in front of a live audience. It was the Christmas episode 
where at the end of the show, everyone in the audience gets a heap of ridiculous prizes. And as they kept revealing what extraordinary gifts all the audience members were going to receive, the cameras kept panning to members of the audience losing the plot. Uh, they, were, they were laughing and they were screaming and they were crying. They were just so overjoyed to be receiving such exorbitant prizes. And as a viewer, you start to think that Ellen's pretty generous. You know, I mean, that's a lot of expensive prizes to be giving to a lot of people. But then you think more carefully about all the sponsorship deals that must exist behind the scenes. You know, the big companies that are actually footing the bill, standing behind Ellen as she gives all these prizes away. And so Ellen just fades into the background. And all you're left with is the audience and their excitement and, truth be told, their self-centeredness at being so happy that they're getting showered with these riches. Now, on the day of Christ, we'll be showered with the riches of God. But on that day, there won't be any cameras pointed at us to see our reactions. Even though we'll be receiving an abundance, all the attention, all our attention, will be fixed on God. Because there's no one standing behind God footing the bill for him. For all the riches we'll receive on that day, God paid for it all himself. And it cost him dearly. For us to be counted among his people on that day, his own blood had to ooze down his hands and feet. He had to gasp for breath as he hung on that cross. Even though he could have stopped it in a heartbeat, our Lord Jesus went until his heart stopped beating. He gave up his life. He paid for us, literally, with himself. And so on that last day, as we receive from God according to his riches in Christ, the very fact that we're even there will shout out that it's God who's the glorious one, God who's the majestic one. He personally paid for it all with his life and so to him be the glory forever and ever. Friends, wrap it all up what we're seeing in these verses and can you see why giving our money away for the gospel is such a good thing? We can be content in Christ. We're free to sit loose to our money. And so as we value Jesus far above everything else, we give to his gospel. And God loves it when we do. And he will give to us anyway according to his riches in Christ. And so we trade in a new currency. We value the wealth of the gospel. We're giving our money away for the gospel. Is that true of you? Does that describe you? Is your bank balance going down because you're giving your money away for the cause of Christ? Look, if that's not true for you, you're missing out because you're probably stuck in the emptiness of living for the riches of this life. You're probably still clinging on to the wealth of this world, a wealth that will not last, a wealth that cannot satisfy It's a dead end. So trade it in. Change currencies. Value the wealth of the gospel and give your earthly wealth away for Christ. God notices our money movement. 
He notices where our money goes and where our money stays. And he takes great pleasure in our giving our money away for the sake of his gospel. And friends, just so we're clear, uh, Paul's not talking about buying your way into heaven. You know, if you're up, you're giving to church, God will owe you eternal life. It's not like that at all. You can't buy God off. You can't impress him with how much you give to his cause. Paul is simply talking about a life lived for Jesus. Because you already know that he's already saved you. You know what he has in store for us. And so you've given up on living for this world. You now live for him in everything, including your wallets. That's why we give to church. I know we're well above budget, but let's not rest on our laurels. We want to grow more and more churches so that more people can be saved into Christ's kingdom. It'll take money. So we give. But there's more gospel causes out there than just DPC. In our own backyards, we've got Jono and his teaching of scripture. We've got Carla and Young Life. We recently heard of one of our own, Jenny Bradshaw, and her plans to go and preach the gospel up in Darwin. Then there's uh, MTS, OCA, CMS, Scripture Union. There's a whole host of great gospel organisations out there. And if you're not sure who to give your money away to, look, come and find out some info for me. I'd be more than happy to recommend some terrific gospel causes. And look, I know we can't all give to everything, but we can all give to some things. And let's give lots, because the best thing we can do with our earthly money is to give it away for the gospel. Because we're waiting for our saviour to come from heaven. We're citizens of heaven. We're waiting for the glory of God. And we're gladly living for him. With our wallets, we've changed currency. We rejoice when our bank balance goes down Because we're giving our money away for God's gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that in Christ you have made us citizens of heaven. Thank you that we do not belong to this world, but Father, we belong to the next. Father, thank you for the extraordinary riches you've already given us in Christ and for the extraordinary riches you will pour out on us on that last great day. And so, Father, we pray that as we wait eagerly for our Saviour from heaven, Father, we would live for him in every way, including our money. Father, help us, please, to, to run against the culture that we live in and, Father, to use our money for your sake for your kingdom, for your glory. And we ask it all, Father, that in everything, Jesus Christ, he would be the one that is honoured. Amen.